Welcome to Booked. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. We're bringing you tonight part three of our Wrong Kind of Reading series of episodes. And tonight we bring you Anthony Neal Smith and Kyle Miner. Anthony Neal Smith is the author of everything. Um, if you've listened to anything on the show, you've come across his name. He's an author of Yellow Medicine, Hog Dog, and Psychosomatic, Drummer, Choke on Your Lies. Soon, soon, hopefully, a sequel to Choke on Your Lies and a sequel to um, Hog Dog, and both in the works. Yep, and Kyle Miner is the author of the collection In the Devil's Territory, and his upcoming novel is called The Sexual Lives of Missionaries, um, which I believe he just announced on Facebook today that he signed with a, an agent, and um, they're, the company that she works for is going to be representing his book and, and getting him some uh, some good distribution for that, so congratulations to Kyle Miner on, on signing with his agent and, and uh, getting the book out there soon, I think in the fall. Indeed. Congratulations, Mr. Miner. But before we get to Mr. Miner, we're going to have Anthony Neal Smith, who's going to read a story called Herman Dog Digs, which is um, just a fantastic tale. I'm not going to tell you too much about it because uh, he does a very good job of introducing the the inspiration for this. But um, this is definitely one you're going to want to pay attention to. Absolutely. And uh, you won't understand until you listen to it, but I think it's going to be something that we call lots and lots of little sound bites from to use in future episodes of our podcast. I, I may make a ringtone out of, for my phone out of some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, following Anthony's really entertaining and cool story is Kyle Miner reading an excerpt from his short story called the truth and all it's ugly. All right. And here is Anthony Neal Smith with Herman dog digs. Alright, next up we're going to have Anthony Neal Smith who I believe kind of got this thing going. Was this your your ball rolling? Uh, those of you unfamiliar with uh, Anthony Neal Smith, he is the publisher and senior editor now of the web uh, journal Plots with Guns, where many nefarious folks here have had uh, fiction published. Several stories that first appeared on Plots with Guns appear in this little volume called Noir at the Bar. Noir at the Bar is a literary, uh, semi-literate event uh, that we hold in St. Louis, and it's supposed to be kind of like this, kind of nasty and fun and stuff you couldn't read at uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, anyway, uh, all the people in this book have uh, read at our events, including Neil and Kyle and Pinkney, who are coming up later. Uh, so uh, check it out. Anthony Neil Smith. Handle my mic any time, Jeff. He uh, Jed, uh, took over at the last minute for, actually we didn't have an MC, so I asked him I think two days ago if he would MC, so he's now homeless, bumbling around Chicago looking for a place to sleep, but he's here, MC, so thanks Jed, appreciate it. And thanks to all the readers who uh, helped us uh, pull this thing together, so uh, 
Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I hope. Uh, all right. So I got a dog named Herman. If you go to my website to uh, Facebook page, you see pictures of Herman all the time. Yeah. Half bulldog, French bulldog, half Boston Terrier. And, uh, yeah. I think they call them Frostens. So, Frosted. But he, uh, yeah, he's, he's our little uh, baby boy. And I've often wondered about him, you know, like I guess most dog owners. I wondered what would happen if he found me dead in the backyard. So, or how fast he would start to eat me. <laughs> so, I, uh, so I wrote about it. This is uh, Herman Dog Digs. Herman Dog digs in the soft dirt at the back of the yard and uncovers a face. He knows that face and that smell. It's his master. His master has his eyes open and there's a hole in his face and his face is cold. Herman licks the face. Nothing. Herman's no fool. He knows his master is fucking dead. Herman sees two guys with shovels. And the dirt on the shovels smells like the dirt on his master. And the same burning smell from the hole in his master's face blooms from the guys with the shovels. He doesn't know why, but he knows they deaded his master. Herman growls and go after, goes after the guys. They killed his master, so who's going to feed him? and play stick and let him curl up in his lap. Herman tells these assholes what they have done is bad. Bad! No! No! Bad dog! <laughs> Herman is a small bulldog, barely shin high. He goes, Ark! Ark! Grr! 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 Ark! Grr! Grr! Ark! Grr! 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 They yell at Herman. They are thin with sores on their faces. They smell like chemicals that his master took when his nose was stuffy. They also... That took a second. They also smell like the leather square his master carried around in his clothes when he leaves and put back on the table when he got home. One of the guy thumbs through the leather square and takes out rectangles and more rectangles and then tells the other guy, No cash. Shit. Nobody carries cash. Then we have to sell these fucking cards fast. Herman doesn't understand. He doesn't hear his name. He doesn't hear good dog or bad dog or naughty or go potty. Although shit is a word his master said a lot. Ark, 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 ark. He's hopping around their feet now. They yell at him and he understands go away. But, but he hasn't told them about his master's warm lap yet. One of them points a square thing at him. It's black. Herman knows what this is. His master had one, and when he pointed it, it would go bark and make fire and make things have holes in them, like the hole in his master's face. Herman didn't want a hole in his face, so he backs away. The men keep going. They don't make a hole in Herman, and they ignore him. Herman needs help. Herman waits outside the door. Not his house, but he's been there a lot. They keep Herman's friend. 
a lady German shepherd named Heidi. She's a big dog, and he likes big dogs. <laughs> the door opens and Heidi comes out. Herman says, sup, bitch. <laughs> Heidi sniffs the ground. You know, gotta pee. You wanna help me? Someone made a hole in my master and he's dead. That sucks. No more warm lap. I know. You wanna help? Okay. So Herman and Heidi bound off into the woods together on the heels of the guys who made a hole in Herman's master. They smell terrible, so they were easy to find. When the dogs see the guys putting the shovel into the trunk of a car, Herman says to Heidi, that's them. Heidi says, you want me to bite their balls? Herman says, yeah, bite their balls. Heidi launches towards the guy who pointed the fire maker at Herman. Heidi clamps her jaws onto the guy's crotch and locks her jaws, and there's no getting her off. The guy hits Heidi in the face, but it doesn't do much good. He fumbles with his fire maker and hits her with that, but it's also no good. Herman watches. Then he sees the other guy get a fire maker and aim at Heidi. Herman doesn't want him to make holes in Heidi, so he goes, Ark! 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 Grr! Grr! To warn her. Herman jumps up on the legs of that guy while Heidi shakes her head with the balls in her mouth and tears skin. The other guy, with Herman hopping around him, gets confused and points his fire maker at Heidi. But the guy with Heidi whips around and the fire maker makes fire and makes holes in the back of the first guy rather than in Heidi. And Herman is very happy about that. <laughs> the guy with holes in him drops to the ground. Heidi lets go. She runs over to Herman. They sit and watch. The other guy approaches the fallen guy. I'm sorry, oh fuck, oh god, I was going to shoot the dog, I swear. Fallen guy rolls onto his back. Fire maker in his hand. He makes fire and makes a hole in the other guy's face. They don't move anymore, and they stink like they made poopies. <laughs> Herman says, perfect. I need to go back and sit and Heidi says, I need to go back and sit in my master's lap. Herman says, sure, don't take that shit for granted. <laughs> Herman runs back through the woods while, Heidi runs back through the woods while Herman walks over to the fallen guys. They stink too much. So he finds a trail back to his master. Herman digs some more. He wants his master's fingers because under the skin there are bones and he thinks his master would have wanted Herman to take his bones. So he finds the cold hand, lies on the ground beside his master, and gnaws on the finger bones. But he really wishes his master was alive, because he is cold, and the fingers are cold, and he really misses his master's warm lap. Thank you very much. Those of you keeping score, that's one bunny, and one dog, and two cocks, uh, at least. A lot of balls. A lot of balls. When I want to read cock and ball stories, I read Kyle Miner.
Carl Miner's got a fantastic collection of short stories called In the Devil's Territory, as well as a forthcoming Some the Hell Time novel called The Sexual Lives of Missionaries, which you can find uh, excerpts on, or at least you could uh, find excerpts from it online. Uh, he's really, you know, kind of amazing, and I feel really honored to be able to be the first voice you hear before him. Uh, I feel less good about being the voice you hear after him. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's reading tonight, but it's probably got cock and balls. It's gonna, it's gonna go out. You can hold it if, if you can. Okay. Alright. Stroke it. Alright, I'm just gonna read a short excerpt from a long story. It's called The Truth and All That's Ugly. The year my boy Danny turned six, my wife Penny and me took him down to Lexington and got him good and scanned, because that's what everybody was doing back then. And like they say, better safe than sorry. He was a good boy and never got out of hand until he was 17 years old and we got out of hand together. Around this same time, Penny kept saying she was going to leave and stay with her sister in town. She said it enough that we stopped believing her, but the last time she said it, she did it. I remember the day and the hour, Friday, September 17, 2024, quarter after five in the afternoon, because that's what time her grandmother's grandfather clock stopped when I kicked it over. Danny heard all the yelling and he came running downstairs and saw her standing there with her two suitcases and looked at me like I ought to do something. God damn it, I'm not going to stop her, I said. It's your fault she's going, he said. Penny hauled off and slapped his mouth. I didn't raise you to talk to your father that way, she said. And at that moment, I was of two minds. One of them swelled up with pride at the way she didn't let him mouth off to me. It's the other one that won out. I reached back and gave her what she had coming for a long time now. I didn't knock her down, but I put one tooth through her lip, hit her just hard enough so she would come back to us when she was calmed down. She didn't come back, though, and she didn't go stay with her sister, who claimed not even to know where she was. One week, two, then on a Saturday, me and Danny had enough. We hauled Penny's mother's pink-painted upright piano out the front door and onto the porch, and then we pushed it off and picked up our axes from by the woodpile and jumped down on it. You got to be careful, Danny, I said. There's a tension on those strings that'll cut you up bad if you hit them wrong. It was pure joy watching him lift that axe and drive it into that piano. Up until then, his head was always in books or that damn computer. Dead trees, I'd tell him, got not one thing on milkweed and sumac, horse mint, and sweet William. But now I wasn't so sure, now he caught on. It's what you do with the dead trees, he said, like he was reading my mind. I don't know what came over us after that, and it's not enough to blame it on our getting into the whiskey, which we did plenty. Penny had an old collection of precious moments figurines, handed down from her own mama and grandma. Children at a picnic, or playing the accordion to a bunch of birds, or hands folded in prayer, and nearly every little boy or girl wearing a bonnet. At first, Danny said we ought to shoot at them, 
We had everything from assault rifles to an old Civil War service revolver that I'd be afraid to try firing. But then one Tuesday morning, by now it was November and the old dog pens were near snowed under, he found some of the yellow jackets I had caught in glass mason jars and forgot about it. He found them dead in there, and I saw him looking at them, and he saw me watching, but he didn't say anything. Just went upstairs and came down with my old orange tackle box, which is where Penny kept her scrapbooking things. You gonna scrapbook those yellow jackets, Buddy Bear? I said. He said his plan was to shellac them. He couldn't near to do it right, and I said, here, let me show you how and showed him how to thin the shellac of turpentine and dab it on soft with the paintbrush bristles, which was something I knew from when things were better with Penny, and I'd help her with her scrapbooks, just so we could sit with our legs touching for a while. He got good at it fast, and then we caught more yellow jackets, and did what Danny had in mind all along, which was shellac them stiff, wings out like they was ready to fly, and set them on the precious moments figurines in a swarm. After a while, that stopped being fun. They kind of took the shock away when every precious moment in the house was swarmed like that. Plus, we was running out of yellow jackets. We got to get more minimal, Danny said, and I could see what he meant. It's like when I served my country in the African wars. You get to see enough dead bodies, and after a while, you get used to seeing them. And then you see another, and it don't mean one thing to you. But you run into one little live black girl with the open chicken wire wound up and down her face, maybe three flies in her cut up eye, that gets to you. So after that, we got strategic. We put three yellow jackets right by a brown marbly eye, eye to eye, or one stinger first. Nobody but us had got to see what we'd done to the precious moments until a few days later when Benny Gill, our postman, came by with the junk mail. And Danny saw him and invited him in for a glass of water. And he saw what it was we were doing with the wasps. And he said, son, that's sick. But he was smiling when he said it. And it was then I knew he was a person who could be trusted. <laughs> Up until then, he'd always been asking about my methadone, which I got regular from the pharmacy at St. Clair's Hospital in town on account of my back pain. He wanted to get some off me because he could trade it for other things he wanted. This day I asked him, why is it nobody writes letters anymore? It's a general lack of literacy, he said. And we started laughing because everybody knew that wasn't why. It's the government, Danny said. But he was just repeating what he always heard me say. And I wished he wouldn't get so serious in front of Benny Gill. They're spying, Benny Gill said, listening in on us right now. But he wasn't serious. Best be careful, I said, because now is the time to keep it light. Benny Gill here's on the government tea. Benny Gill took a sip of his water and smiled some more. That one, he said, maybe a couple, two or three others. Danny caught on. It's you we saw across the creek there in the tall grass. I've been watching, Benny Gill said. He leaned back in the wooden chair, put all his weight on the back two legs. I could see by the look on Danny's face he was still thinking about how Penny would say not to lean back like that because it put another divot in the wood floor, which was the kind of not important thing Penny was always worried about. There was a thousand or more divots in the wood floor, and by now another one just added a little extra character. 
Benny Gill leaned forward, put his elbows on his knees so his face was close to mine. I know where Penny can be found, he said. Thank you. It's a shitload of cock and balls after that, I swear. <laughs> okay, and once again, you just heard Anthony Neal Smith reading his short story entitled Herman Dog Digs, and then we followed that up with Kyle Miner reading an excerpt from his story The Truth and All It's Ugly. Didn't I tell you guys that Neal Smith was, uh, was worth a listen? Let me ask you, Livius, before this reading began, would it ever have occurred to you that that Anthony Neil Smith was going to be reading a story like this? Um, no, I'm not even close. As a matter of fact, I think <laughs> I, I remember like like slapping you on the arm repeatedly, going, I, "I think I think we have Neil on a recording barking like a dog, like just like really excited, like it was the greatest thing ever." And it was. That was pretty fantastic. Yeah, and now well, he set the bar pretty high though, because the next time uh, we hear him read live somewhere or record him and he's not barking like a dog, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. That's, that's, uh, yeah, there you go, Neil. The gauntlet has been thrown. Rob wants more <laughs> dog barking from you. More Fan- anthropomorphized domestic animals. Thanks. Fantastic story all around, though. Dog barking aside, that was just great stuff. Definitely. And Kyle Miner is no slouch either. I really liked his, uh, his excerpt from, uh, from The Truth and All It's Ugly. Yeah, and you know, I here's the whole thing. I talk about a kind of tonal change, you know, from one to the other. And I thought, man, it's going to be really hard to follow uh, follow Neil's antics uh, with that. But Kyle did a fantastic job with that story. Yeah, definitely. And again, I think I said it before, but he's got that kind of like southern accent, but it's got like a, a sweetness, like an innocence to it, sounding like he's just it's a very soft spoken southern accent that uh, if he's saying the right things, just sounds kind of creepy. You know, like like something's wrong here, kind of creepy. I don't know if you got that feel, but that's how I that's how I was taking his voice. Yeah, I have to agree. And and, and great. Um, it it, it I'm gonna say this. He the way he reads and like the tone of his voice forces you to listen. Not that you wouldn't, but I mean, it really kind of draws you in. Like everybody kind of like leaned forward a little bit. You know what I mean? And you can tell that people were just were were very um, engaged. Uh, yes, engaged. Very engaged in in his story. So. Uh, great. That was our second time hearing him read. Good stuff. And even those rowdy punks over at the uh, the velvet table, I think, quieted down a little bit when Kyle was talking. Yeah, aren't you glad we didn't decide to sit there? <laughs> Outcasts. Outcasts, yeah. all of them. Yeah, we didn't draw the ire of all the readers like uh, like Eddie Rathke and his cohorts did. Sorry, did you just make Eddie the head of that uh, of the head of that clan? Is that what just happened? <laughs> I totally made him the mastermind. Oh, there you go. All right, so that is part three of our four-part wrong kind of reading series. We've got one more coming up for you very, very shortly, and that one is going to feature Pinkney Benedict and Seth Harwood. All right, but that's not going to be it because we have another reading that we're going to be cutting up and putting up on the website uh, pretty soon following this. And in case you just happened to cross booked, we did do a five-part cut-up of the Noir in the Bar the Noir at the Bar reading uh, that we did at the end of February. So feel free to check out our other readings and events that we've we've put up on the website for you. 
Yeah, and and we might actually read some books and review those soon too. So keep coming <laughs> back, keep coming back for the book review part. We're like on an extended vacation with these readings here, so we've got it. Uh, we're packing it in, man. These next these next few book reviews are going to be something. They're going to be something special. Yeah, I'm feeling the pressure. Like uh, we've been, it's it's not like we have just like put the books down for the last couple of weeks. We've been doing lots of reading and doing lots of prep. So uh, once. Once the well runs a little dry on these readings, there's definitely a lot of book talk going on again. So check back for that. Thanks, Livius, for for kind of centering that. <laughs> we we're not we're not just a live reading show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got great stuff coming up for you guys. And as always, um, remember to comment or shoot us an email if there's something you'd like to see us do. If there's something you'd like to see us do less of, um, comment please. You know, we're open to uh, we're open to subject sub suggestions like reading classes or speaking classes um and uh and 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 and, and light criticism we're okay with that too as long as you keep it light and fluffy we're good exactly livius likes it light and fluffy that's correct (laughs) all right that's it (laughs) damn i can't say it without laughing all right that's it for this episode of booked i'm rob olson and i'm livius nudden keep reading when the engine turned